0: Miss Macintosh, My Darling, Chapter Six The thin tree branches bending and scraping. There were some with ropes of last year's withered yellow leaves, hanging like human hair, some with waxen, tightly folded buds. And now the road was turning and turning upon itself, and we seemed to be going back the way we had already come. One branch flowered upon a withered tree, its flowers like purple smoke against the sky, like something spontaneous as in a dream of apparent disrelations which were secretly related and now there were again in the midst of vastness these familiar signs these broken gates and fallen pillars among iron-colored weeds barns with gaping doors old carriages set in the midst of empty fields plumed thistles blowing large as human heads straggling orchards the color of wool steaming in the amorphous mist and seeming to be filled with phantom shapes which came and went. Fleecy clouds scudded along the sky, both dark and luminous, indeterminate, as if this haze of fitful twilight were the hour before dawn, the roosters crowing in a nocturnal dream. A derelict windmill stood in the midst of a flooded and vaporous field, its broken silver arm turning furiously in the wind. A roan horse ran along the road, its tail straight out, Racing, perhaps only its shadow against the pale, rain-speckled sky. A bony mule, grey as the flooded mist, its eyeballs rounded and flat, stared from under a broken and twisted apple tree. The colour of the mule, even as if sterility and creation were one, and the grey, spiny weeds whirled past, and there were the roarings of streams, some livid under the dark sky, spotted with silver lights, Flashing of green and gold, as from a lonely watch-tower, this land was like a dying sea, hills swelling valleys perceptibly moving, the roofs of the sky were filled with holes, space invading everywhere, no object seeming tangible as yet, and all was this cosmic sadness which could not be defined in terms of humour. This mournful journey, continuing as the tired, drunken bus-driver, his bushy hair curling to his shoulders. "'slept at the wheel, snoring, whispering, in his demented sleep. "'Yet somehow he remembered the road, just as old carriage horses, "'their heads nodding in sleep, remember the road, "'turning where the road turns, turning through the gate. "'Against the dark sky there were thin-ribbed distant trees "'bending like smoke in the wind, "'the smoke puffs of an evening train without lights.' There was the shrill cry of a train, seeming near, yet coming from far like something heard in a dream as one awakens, unable to determine whether one is awake or asleep, whether the sound was heard before or after the dream was broken, these continuities persisting from one world to another, it seemed, so that there should be no other world but this which was many-valved. An intricacy like the roaring of the sea, which knows no limitations but its own. Perhaps I slept, but the pregnant girl had awakened, and I seemed to hear her crying in my dreams. Perhaps she dreamed, and it was I who was awake. Perhaps it was a border world between the waking and the sleeping. For many things were said which would not be said by those who knew what they were saying. Her face was dark. "'twisting twisting with cold, furious rage, "'but she sat stiff and upright "'so that her coffer should not be disarranged, "'and she jumped whenever the bus lurched "'upon a rutted, rain-flooded road, "'the bird on her hat bobbing on its thin, brittle branch, "'staring with a glassy, winking eye "'at the tree boughs bent by the wind, "'the landscape passing like a dream "'no one had ever lived through, "'no one had ever completely understood.' Her situation grew constantly worse, minute by minute, she approaching that hour when she must be delivered of herself or of a stranger. She was this dead center of life, her face crossed by tiny enraged shadows, shadows of birds, leaves, moths, tiny feet, making it seem more animated than perhaps it was than it would be if ever she were completely awake and staring upon a void, uninteresting world, her face expressionless, betraying no emotion other than the lack of emotion, which was the greatest of all emotions. But in her sleep she was self-betrayed, crying in her sleep. She was pregnant and married and coming to her early grave, dead, knocked up, fixed, betrayed, everything happening to her, it seemed, in this one moment of wild astonishment this wild sequence of meaningless and accidental events her delicate, fragile, breaking mind and body could never live through, her shrill voice screaming above the dirge-like wind, above the dying stars, as cold as metallic flowers, above the empty places, her face hard, contorted with somnolent furies. And that was why, oh by God, she could not endure this awful competition. Like these old men dreaming of themselves and of their wombs, all these imaginary women beating their breasts in the bloody flood, all these screamings, shoutings, crying, gnashings of teeth, by those who would never give birth as she must give birth. What were sun and moon and stars to her, and what were street lamps, streets, houses? She wished to God she was already in her grave, her little hands reaching above the earth, wished anything but that she should give birth to her, that she should be married to the stranger, and coming to her grave, all in one instant, for time had never touched her. Ah, uh, how could she have been taken by so many men, she who, ha- she who had loved no man? How could she have been caught in this terrible trap? She who had always had something with which to defend herself, maybe only her hat pin. Maybe she had had only her little foot with a jangling heart. Maybe she had had only her little fist. Maybe she had had only her flirtatious smile or handful of dust to throw into their eyes. And was it fair? Why should she be taken by these white countryyard owls with roaring wings, their eyes as big as city lamps? Poor little thing, light as a moth or a sparrow, the prettiest dancing girl she ever knew, so light on her feet, her little tinkling laughter like bells tinkling in the winter wind when she had passed away. Just as she shrilly complained, biting her lips with little sharp rodent teeth, her little face sputtering, darkening with this regret, she had forgotten too many things, forgotten herself only once, forgotten the heart of an adorable flirt who never was caught before by any man, and she had forgotten her dark bridegroom who was not this husband sleeping at her side, and now it was too late to forget, for now she must remember, it was too late for self-forgetfulness. It seemed for this oblivion of faces and forms and all she could do, crying in her sleep, was remember her, now when she was no longer that which she had been, but only that which she had become, now when all her past discretions could not make her discreet, now when she must shed a ton of tears, all the tears she had ever saved, had never wept before, and rivers would flow from her eyes before she was through weeping. She was gone five months without shedding a drop of blood, and she had four months yet to go, and she lived now by the calendar, by time which never before had touched her or darkened her brow or turned her hair gray. She would give birth, but there would be no old doctor ever there to say to her that it was all a dream, this life, this other life, my dear of dears, and you were only imagining it, so now turn over on your other side and go to sleep, for you will awaken as you used to be. For you are dead, poor little dancing girl. Yet through your little heart seems to be fluttering something like a moth or a star, and I can detect the faintest pulse, the faintest quivering of an eyelid, and I can hear you crying. So go to sleep, sleep in peace, my little child, she cried, for you are the only child there ever was, ever will be, and there is no one but you, and in the morning when you awaken, you will feel better, and you will be as small as the butterfly over the brook. You will be two butterflies. you will dance again, leading the dance in your little glass shoes, and no one will know what you-no one will know that you are dead. You will wear your snot of pearls, your tiny lace veil, and tiny lace gloves. You will wear your ruby eardrops. She remembered crying in her broken sleep, her little light footsteps that had made flower patterns on a floor of dust, how beautiful she had been, and now and how she had made a little map to locate her breasts, her navel, her still pools, her hands, her feet, her toes, her fingers. And now if this dark pregnancy were only an evil dream from which she would awaken, discovering herself as she had been before she was taken, she would be happy even though she was dead, and that was why, by God, she could not endure any form of competition whatever, be it even herself. This old rival gnawing at her dead heart and taking her eyes, her hair, her lips, why she was going to get rid of it and hide it in a water hole, Tear out her hair by the handfuls, if necessary, so that no one would know her, she cried. Tear out her bleeding eyes. Feed it to the little birds that hopped and hopped about, hopping on one foot the way she hopped. Feed it to the little birds pecking, pecking in a withered cherry, pecking in a dead tree trunk, a dead face. "'Feed it to the woodpeckers and the red robins. "'Feed it to the wingless things that crept along the ground, "'to the things that crawled, "'Feed it to the rose-breasted wood ibis, "'to the little woodcocks, the little woodchucks, "'the woodlice, the beetles. "'Feed it to the butterflies, the gnats.' "'She would feed it to the wild turkeys "'gabbling in dark forests, "'to the sandpipers wading in dark streams. "'Feed it to the purple moose, the arctic hawk, "'the crows and the fences.' For why should she be responsible for what was not? She would do as she pleased, not as she must. She being caught like this, trapped in her own glittering trap, knocked up, washed out, poor little thing, ravaged by an old ghost with bleeding eyes, pregnant and married and coming to her watery grave, but though she was dead, for she was the only one whose dream was real, unreal to her who was unreal to herself, and she had perished without a sigh or cry, dying long before she had ever lived. How could an insincere moment become sincere? Should she give birth to a prime minister? Should a flea give birth to a star? Why should she not bleed? She sat upright, the stuffed bird bobbing on her flower-laden hat, mechanical as consciousness, always in agreement with the dual-minded wearer of the hat, she who wore, dressed for her honeymoon and a long night, or her funeral, or both. So many little flowers, little faces, winking jewels, beetles and bees and tennis players, so many little hands like bird claws, so many little eyes, so many little ears, the skier skiing among the apple blossoms white as snow, the horses' heads, the old-fashioned sulky racers. The painted skyscrapers toppling like toy building blocks, and Brooklyn, Brooklyn Bridge like a spidery web, and ferris wheels, and wagon wheels, and cascades of nymph and seed pearls. So many bits of colored glass to cover her, she seeming herself this hothouse flower, this carefully guarded creature of artifice. Someone who had preferred the shadow, someone who had scarcely ever seen the living sunlight, and who had never walked bareheaded in the purple rain exercising herself for a great conflict with the angel of death or the angel of life who might be its other face her own things which were very far deep or far away had never concerned her complicated mind before and she had fled from her bare face her yellowish hands closed stiffly over her cracked patent leather vanity case that which was decorated with other hands tiny and tarnished "'peeling gold with red fingernails dripping like blood. "'She slept her narrow and rigid sleep, "'which was so many ornaments tinkling around her "'as if to set off a belated alarm. "'Like a form of watchfulness, "'of consciousness continuing even now "'when she was unconscious, "'her thin eyelids continually fluttering, "'shedding tiny flakes of powder, "'and her painted lips continually opening, "'closing upon a new protest, "'that urgency permitting no no self-forgetfulness.' No giving up of self to a deep river of creative sleep and of oblivion. No identification, apparently, with another person, neither of the living nor the dead. She was always thinking, it seemed, of herself, no matter what form she took. If she should forget her now, who else would remember her silken hair, her little little hourglass form, her little light glassy footsteps, her little shrill cries like the breaking of glass? She was shrewd. Wakeful even in her sleep, it seemed, her mind never still, her little thoughts running and running about as if they could not stop. Her little thoughts ran and ran about like a mouse in an intricate cage, of which there were no doors, of which there had never been doors, and there were no walls, only these mirrors of illusion, as if there were many little mice. And how could she escape, finding her way out of this mortal life or into it, whichever way it might be? She was turning on this turning wheel, she could not stop. She could not cease. She was dancing. A star dropped upon a far horizon, making no sound as it fell. Not even one splash as when a stone falls into a river, and the tin roof leaked, water streaking the bus windows, and the pregnant girl screamed, feeling that she had lived through all these things before. Was this that honeymoon which she had never planned, had never dreamed of, that she should be returning to the same old river town she long ago had escaped from? Riding in the same old bus that had always leaked, and everything the same as it had been before, or almost the same. The same old faces smiling at her in the whirling, moon-colored fogs. These dead tree branches scraping, whirling. These dead clocks striking again. These spiders crawling over the endless snow. She had taken this bus out when the bus driver's hair was short. But now his hair was long, curling below his shoulders, and he had put on weight. So she knew how time had passed even as in an empty dream which she had never lived through. How many years had fled on silent wings, leaving no trace, and that was why she cried, cried again and again, her little face wrinkled with sudden age when she thought how she had changed, when she thought of her withered breasts, her empty womb. Everything happening to her in a single moment that seemed of horrified recognition, and yet she had no personal memory by which to remember her, No consciousness which was her own and not somebody else's. Why must she outlive herself, the tiny butterflies dancing in the winter wind? Why should she have to go like this, giving up her little ghost, her little breath, yet remembering her when she was no more? She had done everything seemingly for herself, everything against herself, she knew, and she saw now that her mistake had been her recent marriage, hollow and sad, passing like an empty dream. She had been married just recently, it seemed, to him. This old husband who was oblivious to her, this poor football player wrapped in his own sad dreams and sleeping at her side, with his long-lashed eyelids trembling upon his dreaming beardless cheeks, the mark of a razor where he had tried to shave away the beard he had never had and would never have. He would never live long enough to grow his beard, never grow old enough to be her father who had killed her. She cried, crying in her sleep. No one else remembered what had happened to her and no one else had ever known. He had killed her because she had killed her mother in being born. He had made her grow old, she remembered, though, herself poor little thing, the night she had died, and no one had heard her crying that night and the many nights that came after that night. She remembered her little bony hands clutching pale flowers in winter winter grass, clutching her father's gray beard, her glassy and unclosing eyes staring at the dark and lonely wind, The winter sky. Oh, what she had lived through. She had been married only because she had never married before. Because she was already dead and deflowered. And the second tragedy, her marriage, was greater than the first, her death. For tragedy grew repeating itself. Tragedy grew like life, like death. Tragedy grew like this empty and hollow and ghostly marriage. This dark consciousness growing inside of her and having an unreal logic of its own. More than life should ever have, the succeeding death, the succeeding life. There were no wedding bells ringing for her, and there never had been. There were only these funeral bells ringing for her over a dark plain. It was something which should have happened to her worst enemy, to her best friend, something which should never have happened to her. She was breaking into two, herself and the other, the space unknown. She was this sad, unfamiliar reflection in her powdery-looking glass, this other face which smiled. She was dead, the dark tree branches scraping like scalpels against her wounded heart, for she died in giving birth. She heard dead birds singing. She was this poor bride indeed, her marriage being unreal to her as time when she was no more. This pregnant girl shrilly crying as the old bus driver jolted on through rivers of foaming darkness and light through sunlit and starlit streams covering these naked fields, as she thought of all the things she had forgotten, herself, her other face, her eyes, her body, what little clothes had she come to childbed with? What would she wear? She should be naked when she gave birth to this other child. Should she not wear, even in childbed, her little dancing shoes? For should she not dance? She had nothing to wear, nothing to clothe a dead child with, not even a little silky-winged milk pot or cobweb or cocoon or black butterfly with which to cover her waxen cheeks, her hollow eyes, her hands clasping the tiny bouquet of the withered flowers which had already turned to dust. She had not even a blade of grass to cover her, not even a dead bird or the wing of a dead bird, not even a dead spider. Where was her little wedding cake bridegroom with his polished mustache? Who then should marry her? If her wedding had been her funeral where was her funeral, that which should be her wedding? If she was the bride, where was her little bride with a ravaged face, a torn wedding veil like a veil of starlight? Where were her two brides? One should be clothed, but one should be naked. Why should these cloud-banks always move, clothing one, stripping the other? Where were her tiny lace gloves, fit for the smallest hands? And where was her looking-glass, her little hand-mirror, fit for the face of a dead bird, a withered flower? "'a snowflake melting in the dark air. "'Where was her little red stag? "'Where was her little stalking horse? "'Where was her little knight with his black plume, "'silver meshes under his golden snoot? "'He whose little paper shield and bright paper sword "'had been lifted to defend her, poor little thing, "'against the monsters of the night, "'the faceless beings of the deep, "'these dark clouds changing their shapes in the wind. "'Where were her little pallbearers, "'little black beetles who should carry her away?' Little red-winged blackbirds where the snow was falling, Little snowbirds, white woodlice. Where were her little woodchucks? Where were her little flower girls, her little train bearers, Little boys with cute cheeks, with sleeping eyes, With long white hair, with long white beards? Where was her wedding gown with a long silver train Like the tracery of the frost laid upon the winter grass? Where was her birth veil, soft as a film of water Laid upon her dead face? "'this other face, which she had hidden away from man. "'Who carried her little coffin now? "'Where was her little ring-bearer? "'Who should carry her wedding ring in a white satin pillow, "'the sign that she was married, "'that all things which were happening now had happened long ago? "'Her wedding ring would be, if she was dead, "'this circle of creation, all of one piece, "'having no beginning and no end, "'gold that would not melt in crucibles of fire.' stars would be married with her roses and snow water and fire beginning and end she would forget herself the hour of the day the day of the week the time of the night she would forget who her husband was but now she cried for all she had ever missed for the years which had passed leaving no sign she was alone out in the cold and where was her little door key and where was her little door where was the keyhole who had opened the door she had no marriage, but in all this world, no little bridesmaids with their little flower baskets, no funeral candles lighting the sky. There had been no marriage of body and soul, and there was no way to prove that she was married. There had been no wedding feasts, no wedding guests, but only the red-winged blackbirds wheeling in the burning sky, plucking out her little burning eyes, only the dead moon floating behind the floating cloud, only the falling star. Only the splash of a white wading bird in a distant stream.